You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. Daniel's not looking at me. <laughs> Welcome to the scrimmage. It's hard to see you. You're so tiny. <laughs> Sorry. That was my, that was my fault because I also have our stream up on YouTube. And then when the You're audio started, I was like strangely scrambling. How do I mute it? And so I totally missed my cue. Because <laughs> I wanted to have the chat open. I figured that would be that would be new. So that as you can see, new. though, I'm I'm Justin Domashevitz. and I'm Daniel Hargrove. Yeah. So welcome to the scrimmage Skype version, which gives producer Andrew aneurysms. <laughs> it's a whole new set of headaches for Andrew today. On. The benefit for him is he doesn't have to actually deal with either of us in person, but he has a whole new set of issues in trying to deal with us from afar. Yes, absolutely. That is definitely the case. And Um, you guys can't hear the audio, which is why Daniel missed the intro. Yeah. And the bananas. There's more than just him getting distracted. (laughs) There's also bananas. There is also bananas. Bananas are pushing buttons. I swear, that's what happened. Yeah, I believe you. Well, yeah. we do have a lot of great stuff to talk about today. Uh, we got state do basketball. We? Well, we have stuff. Um, yeah. State basketball, <laughs> some wins, some losses. I got a little bit of club soccer update. Uh, maybe we'll talk about the we- the weird world of powerlifting a little bit. Um, I've got a stump, Daniel, that involves poll results. Oh! But first, let's get it going with the two-minute drill, which we won't be able to hear the music. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Hold up! Got to hurry! Got to hurry! Got to hurry! Hey, two-minute situation. Forty-four seconds. Hand the ball to ref. Gun duel right. Gun duel right. Three jet Buckeye. Don't worry. Three. The two-minute drill starts now. The North Carolina Tar Heels beat sixth-ranked Virginia on Saturday. Justin. Carolina seemed sunk after they lost to NC State and Miami and couldn't beat a good team all year, according to that thing that you guys were constantly arguing about before. What, Q1? Something like that? (laughs) Anyway, are they back in Tourney Connect contention? (laughs) I thought after the NC State loss and the Miami loss, and then they barely squeaked by Notre Dame, which is terrible, I thought, okay, it's over, not making the tournament. Then they come out on Saturday like they're shot out of a cannon and kick the crap out of Virginia in the first half and then hold on for a convincing win. I can't figure out this team. It's weird as heck. But if they beat Florida State and then they go and beat Duke next Saturday and then pick up an ACC tournament win, they're going to get in to the NCAA tournament. But if they lose, they won't. (laughs) Seattle Mariners... Outfielder Jared Kellenick hit back-to-back dingers today. Daniel, is this the year we see him break out and say, smell you later? First of all, super weird trying to keep the energy up without actually hearing the music that's playing under us. 
Second of all, do, has he fallen so far from grace that you have to say Seattle Mariners outfielder before saying who he is? Do people, have they forgotten who Jared Kelnick is? And third of all, yeah, yeah. that's the answer. Yep. Hopefully. <laughs> Report surfaced this week that Russell Wilson asked for Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll and GM John Schneider to be fired prior to Wilson's trade to the Broncos. Justin, do you believe these reports? I've seen some people have just said they flat out don't believe them. And did they surprise you? I lean towards not believing the reports, especially because Russell Wilson came out very quickly and just said, hey, that never happened. And it probably would have been, if he really did, really did do it, then he probably would have been silent about it, I think. I don't know. I'm inclined to believe that that's a very out-of-character thing for somebody like Russell Wilson to do because say what you want about him. People think that he's phony. Uh, people think that you know he's a management guy or whatever all these criticisms were that his teammates had of him. He's always proven to be a high-character guy, and that seems like a very odd move for Russell Wilson to make, especially since the writing was already on the wall that he was probably going to be traded anyway at some point over the next couple years. So I lean towards not believing them and if it were true i would be shocked shocked i i i did it i got you okay the the only thing i can say about that is maybe it was like a last ditch like he was gonna get traded and he was like hey i uh hey paul or uh not paul allen paul allen's wife who i jody hey jody um sister they're 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 gonna yeah, you're right, sister. Thank you. They're gonna trade me. Um, you should you should fire them because they're about to fire me. To to me, <laughs> I it's interesting that you have that take. I took it as not surprising, and I absolutely believe it. To me, it was clearly it it had, the relationship had clearly come to a point where the meeting that Paula that uh, Jody Allen had with. Pete and John Schneider was about what direction the the franchi- franchise was going to go, whether letting John and Pete go and keep Russell Wilson or keep Russell Wilson, let John and Pete go. That's kind of how I see the whole thing having developed. And so while I'm, I feel like he probably is, I, I, I'm not saying, I, I don't, think that it necessarily needed to be an ultimatum like hey this happens or this happens it probably was also on Pete's side saying hey uh I'd like to move on from from Russell Wilson but it like there needs to be a decision made here um but I also my impression is that it is not they didn't claim I have a lot of respect for Mike Sando and uh He's he name or he didn't name sources. He he based the article on sources that he said were inside the Broncos locker room. He's not saying that he got that from Seahawks people. It it entirely is believable to me that some kind of Russ wanting to leave or or have new coaches was a big part of him leaving Seattle. 
I mean, I guess I see what you're saying, but and I, I don't that... fault the reporter. I don't fault the reporter if he has sources that are inside the Broncos locker room, but I'm not sure if you watched a Broncos game. I wouldn't call those credible sources about saying anything bad about Russell Wilson. That's fair <laughs> also. That is totally fair also. And also kind of why I feel like I feel <laughs> I feel like it is probably inaccurate to say that that Russell Wilson demanded that Pete Carroll be fired, but it's I feel like I would be surprised if Russell Wilson was not 100% on board with the idea of hey, either we need to get new coaching that I think can make me better or I need to be traded. That, that makes the, the way you put it that way makes it make more sense. Like instead of just Russell being like, I demand you fire these guys, but it seemed like everybody all around Pete, John, Russell were all like, yeah, this isn't going to work anymore. So somebody's got to go here. Yeah. And I think, the way that all of the reporting has been lately, I think Russell's the easy drama queen and the easy clicks getter. For some reason, it's the easy click right it's, now. It's Russell the Wilson massive does something... fall from grace of the guy that everybody was always a little bit suspicious of anyway. It t- I think that's yeah. what's like... Like, he sounded too good to be true, and then he's sure looked like he was sounding way too good to be true over the last year. So everybody's piling on. That's what it feels like. Although, have you guys tried the danger witch at Subway? <laughs> it's pretty no, good. I, I have not. Wilson on sandwiches. It's did, you, good. did you stitch his TikTok while you were eating it? Just, <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. Dangerous. I, I do not believe that I would be capable of making a TikTok in which I was eating. That's so gross. It was the worst. Just terrible. It would be worse. Uh, Interesting. Clarence says he was trying to be too good to be true for his brand, not because he was genuine. I have a hard time believing that of somebody who went to a children's hospital every week. Like, I could see how someone who was a Russell Wilson doubter from the very beginning might say something like that to make himself feel better, better about his original opinion now. Ah, sounds like somebody has some further history with this discussion. <laughs> nope, that's it. Okay. Um, Justin was, so the North Carolina Tar Heels basically lost one guy from last year (laughs) and it was their transfer. What was that guy's name? I loved how he played. Brady Manic. Yeah. He, Manic is pretty much their only loss. Why are they such a different team this year? You know, it's, it's interesting because like for most of the season, you took Manic away. Manic was awesome. But you you replaced him with Pete Nance, who I think could have been better, but has overall been pretty bad. So, like, that was a, pre- it's a pretty significant drop-off from what Manic was able to provide offensively. But for most of the year, they kind of weren't a different team. They, last year, I mean, there's a reason why they were an eight seed in the tournament. You know, they were... Until the losses to Miami and NC State last week, 
they were in an almost identical spot to what they were last year. They were a highly capable team who could compete at a high level on any given day and then every once in a while would just totally lay an egg. And they're terrible on the road. They were terrible on the road last year. They're terrible on the road this year. Um, I think not having Manic does make a difference. And there is a part of me that wonders if all this fame and money that comes along with the returning players getting all these millions of dollars in NIL deals, if it has perhaps taken some of the focus away from the right way for basketball to be played. Often when the Tar Heels are at their worst, they lose focus on defense and they play a lot of iso ball on offense. So when they move the ball well and play defense the way that they're supposed to be, they're a highly competitive team. It's just a matter of doing that consistently. And I say that, you know, talking about your team, because obviously my team, uh, they love and I thought was really good. He was so good, and and I think people like me and you saw that and saw how good he was. But I think there was a lot of people who were like, "Oh yeah, the whole program's doing so good, like bright things, like a lot of these players are coming back." And me and you were going, "No, he was just really good. Next year's yeah. gonna suck." <laughs> well, I was hoping that they would at least be like somewhat competitive following Thompson being gone. So, but like that was dude, that guy was that guy's the real deal, man. He could score from anywhere. He would go get his own basket. He was hustling around, making all the energy plays all over the place. That guy that guy was incredible. And it's shocking yeah. to me that a guy like him wouldn't be able to get on the NBA radar. Like that that's yeah, so weird. I'm just looking him up now to see what he's doing. It looks like he's on he's part of the Bulls organization somehow, maybe? Like a G League team or something? No, actually, yeah, I'm not finding no information. Ah, autoplay. <laughs> now it says Ethan Thompson makes a nice spin move for the Bulls. There's a little highlight there, but when was that from? And it doesn't show anything in his stats or. Well, he played he played summer league for the the Bulls in 2021. Okay, so that's what it is. Gotcha. I'll stop playing autoplay videos from ESPN. <laughs> Very unprofessional. Sorry. Oh, he was playing in uh, Puerto Rico. Oh wait, no, that's something different. Anyway, it's shocking that he hasn't caught on anywhere. Ten point game. It looks this like is he played on. A, he played on a Chicago Bulls affiliate called the Windy City Bulls, but I don't know even know what league that is. <laughs> no idea. The Windy City Bulls. Yeah, that's according to Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. Thank you. All yeah, right. That was, a, that, that was a weird one to me because that guy is awesome. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much the last person who is still involved with the program that kind of got Wayne Tinkle the job because Wayne Tinkle came in. Yes, his name's Tinkle. It's very funny. <laughs> I wasn't laughing at that. I, I didn't say at anything at all. Else. Yeah. Um, 
because he came in with his son, Stevie Thompson, Ethan's older brother, and Ethan Thompson as like his big recruits. Well, all of those were kids of coaches. And then they inherited GP2. And all of their success has come because of those four players. And now they're all gone. And so it's just like, okay, you want to show us how you can recruit now? Oh, you can't. Okay, great. Cool. This. So I think now it's just waiting for a regime change and without being able to take advantage of the tournament runs they made with Gary Payton the second and with Ethan Thompson. I don't see how you get basketball revived at Oregon state without thinking way outside the box and doing something weird that happens to work. Like basically you would need like the Mike Leach of basketball to come there. Ooh, an air raid basketball Um, offense. What's the name of that guy? That uh, would be like uh, Mike D'Antoni. Coast. Mike D'Antoni is the Mike D'Antoni is the uh, air raid version of basketball. Is he who coached yeah, but... Florida Gulf Coast? No, because that was air raid, right? Just chuck the like basket at the yeah. at the bit at the rim, and the everybody else goes yeah. up and dunks it. That's a different <laughs> type of air raid. You're right. I was thinking of like super fast paced, uh, you know, high scoring. Like yeah. D'Antoni. Does, yeah. does Wayne about, Tinkle right? have kids? What? Does Wayne Tinkle have kids? He should have a child and name it Sprinkle. <laughs> Sprinkle. Sprinkle Tinkle. It, it, you it, just it asked... have a middle name that starts with an A, and it could be Sprinkle A Tinkle. <laughs> you just asked if Wayne Tinkle had kids after I talked about how his son was like one of their best players. Was his name Sprinkle? No, no it was last Trey. Name, his last name wasn't even Tinkle, I don't think, was it? Actually, it was Trace. It was Trace Tinkle, wasn't oh, it? Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. That would be challenging to use your Tinkle to trace something. Personal life. Um, he has two daughters, Jocelyn, who plays for the Sydney Uni Flames professional nice. basketball team, and Ellie, a former player at Gonzaga. And son Trace, who played at Oregon State. Nope. So he's uh, he's done. Those are all his kids. Oh, that's weird. I think in two, I think I heard in that 2000... his nickname was Sprinkle. Hey, well, get this. Uh, in 2014, Tinkle was named the sexiest man in college basketball. <laughs> that's a by, sexy Tinkle. By CollegeInsider.com, according to Wikipedia. Either did I. Oh, people. Anyway, I think it was time to move on about 15 minutes ago. Let's move on to my favorite part of the show. Oh. Serving questions up on a silver platter where the points are made up and the rules don't matter. Time for Stump Daniel. See, I actually was able to kind of time that one out because when I said to do it and Andrew wasn't quite ready, he went, oh, and I know that's the signal for I'm about to start the sounder. You're welcome. So, Stump Daniel is brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. Daniel, I thought I would... What's the A stand for? No relation. I thought today it would be fun to mix one of your favorite parts of the show with my favorite part of the show. 
and oh. I posted some polls from last week, and we're going to do a quick edition of how well does Daniel know our listeners? Okay. Um, are there any Van Lith questions? No. Why not? Hey, I'm telling you, me, Van Lith, and like uh, Ryan Espidal would have just killed the skills competition. That was the worst thing I've ever seen over All-Star Weekend. Why did you pick Ryan Espidal? Uh, I wanted another underrated guy who uh, I picture him as someone who would be speedy and actually try hard, good passer. You remember that behind-the-back pass we saw from him in that game at Elma, which was just ridiculous. Yep. Um, and I think, I, I don't know, I just always kind of liked Ryan and was thinking I'd go with him. <laughs> Jace Varner yeah. would also be a good pick. I was really surprised you didn't go Jace Varner. Um, also, like, Ryan is an athlete that we covered in multiple sports, but, like, when I was trying to think of a basketball player, he was definitely not the first one that came to my mind. In fact, he wouldn't have even been one of the first ones off of his own team that came to my mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, no, I like it. I like the pick. I like I like that you explained your reasoning. That was a good one. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I think the three of you, man, skills competition, you guys would kill it. I mean, prime day. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, I even think this version would have been able to do better than that garbage. <laughs> All right, Daniel, here's your challenge. Easy today. You don't even have to guess percentages. You just have to guess which way our listeners voted on these polls. I've got five. The first poll. Do you ever mix up Leonardo da Vinci and Sir Isaac Newton? <laughs> As Daniel did last week. <laughs> I did. Oh, I'm going to say no. Our listeners do not do that. Well, that's correct, Daniel. You get a ding yeah. on that one because 82% of our listeners never mix up Leonardo da Vinci and Sir Isaac Newton. <laughs> Next question. Yes or no? Do you ever mix up Leonardo da Vinci and Leonardo DiCaprio? True Renaissance men, both of them. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to say our audience says yes. Ooh, I'm sorry, Daniel. You've got your first wrong answer. 64% of our audience never mixes up Leonardo da Vinci and Leonardo DiCaprio. Darn. Uh, and sticking with the Renaissance Man theme, because those were both Renaissance Man-related poll questions, which one of our guys, being a Renaissance Man, did our listeners think it's Daniel, Justin, or Producer Andrew? Uh, I'm gonna go Andrew. You are correct again. 62% of our listeners said producer Andrew. Not saying that he was a Renaissance man because I didn't phrase it that way. <laughs> He's the closest to being a Renaissance man of the three of us. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're two for three. I did not right. vote in that poll. Just, just <laughs> I for voted. the record. I, I vote. I voted Andrew. <laughs> oh, I voted for myself. 
Number four, Daniel. You're two for three. Based on, you know, my realization during the show last week. Do you honestly know what a renaissance man is? Because I said during the show last week a thousand times, and I don't think I actually know what a renaissance man is. We looked it up. It means someone who has a wide variety of interests and skills. But what per- or do you think that our audience honestly knew what a renaissance man was, or no? I think our audience was similar to me, as in they felt like they knew it, they've heard that term, they've used that term, but as soon as somebody says something like, did you honestly know exactly what it means? If they were like me, I went, I, I don't know. I thought I knew. So... I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes though. I'm gonna say our audience knew what it was. You should have gone with your original inclination. Fifty-seven percent of our audience said no. They do not honestly know what a Renaissance man is. Darn it! You're two for four. You're you can't get the Beaver Zone. I'm gonna say Coog Zone. Needed four to get Coog Zone. I need. Is there? I need- is there a more neutral zone? Like, what's a team that you feel sort of medium about? Well, there's plenty of teams I feel medium about. UCLA. Nah, no, Chip Kelly's wow. there now. USC. Eh. Do we have to go Pac-12? Gonzaga. Like, I, I feel a lot... Oh, no, I like, oh, I like okay. Gonzaga. I feel a little... Pretty neutral about North Carolina. <laughs> I feel pretty neutral about. Um, don't say it. Don't say it. Purdue. Okay, this will be the for the Purdue zone. <laughs> right, you're in the Purdue. Zone. What did you think? I, I thought you, think you were going to say, say the Blue Devils. Oh no! I hate the Blue Devils. <laughs> I know that, but you had a look in your eye like you're up to no good. <laughs> so this is for the Boilermaker Zone. If you get There's wrong, the bananas. Then... Can you see the bananas? <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> if you get it wrong, Husky Zone. Get it right, Boilermaker Zone. Okay. This sounds like a pretty cool zone, I'm being honest about it. Sounds hot. Daniel... Yes or no? <laughs> Ends with Patrick Mahomes right after he walked out of a porta potty. Could you repeat the question? Right. Would you shake hands with Patrick Mahomes right after he walked out of a porta potty? Um. So I know you wouldn't. No, not a chance. Even <laughs> but though this is. But this is our audience. Yep. I'm gonna. Say, I'm gonna say yes. People will have the presence of mind to think I can wash my hands after I shake his hand. Well, boy, were you wrong, and you're in the husky zone because 64 percent of the audience would not shake hands with Patrick Mahomes right after he walked out of a porta potty. What? How much of that has to do with not Maybe. wanting to shake hands with Patrick Mahomes? Yes. 
Good. There it is. That was. I forgot That's to take that into question. account. Because like, what's the threshold of athlete that you would shake hands with, or or celebrity? Like, okay, just for example, Michael Jordan walks out of a porta potty, wants to shake my hand. I'm shaking that hand. I'm running away. I'm gonna do. Everybody's got a breaking point, like in your in your own fandom. So what's the line? Well, I feel like I'm pretty low threshold on this because, again, I can just wash my hand after shaking their hand. Okay, but it's a parade, right? So, like, easy access do you have to a place to wash your hands? There's people everywhere. You've been jockeying for a position in this parade. Have you touched? Well, I assume things? you're. A, I'm assuming you're in line at the porta potty, and that's why you're seeing him come out of the porta potty. <laughs> oh, I can see why you would think that, but actually, what it was was like it's because this is a real video that was on Twitter. So yeah. Patrick Mahomes has to stop during the parade. He uses a porta potty. Security detail all around him. Nobody's near the porta potty while he's using it. He comes out of the porta potty. <laughs> And walks over to like the barrier where all the fans are behind the barrier and starts shaking people's hands over the barrier. You know what I wish would have happened? I wish Jared Allen would have sprinted out of the the crowd. Is it Jared? I always mix up his name. The quarterback Josh for the Bills. Josh. Josh. Dang it. <laughs> Every time. That'll be in next week's poll results. <laughs> I wish he just would have sprinted out of the crowd and tackled the porta potty and tipped it over. Oh no! Oh no! 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 Nope. 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 Justin's done now. I know I broke him. I'm sorry. Pictured it. Pictured it. Mm-mm. He'd come out and be like, "Ah, oh, guys." Then would you uh, shake his hand, Daniel? If that happened to me. If that happened to me, <laughs> if that exact scenario happened to me, I would hope I died in that porta potty. <laughs> I would not want to be alive on the other side of that door. <laughs> Forever unclean. Forever. <laughs> uh. That is a tough one to come back from. Yeah, yeah, that'd be rough. Oh, so that was poll results and Stump Daniel brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. Thank you again to our sponsors, the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz and Oli Penn Real Estate, the sponsor of our Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week, which is coming up later in the show. Got some good nominees for this week, as always. We got local sports coming up. I think we're not talking about anything else. You guys want to chat Mariners really quick, or are we just moving on? Kelnick is just going to hit, like, two home runs for the rest of the season per game. So, yeah. Wow. I like that. I'm going to pick him also, though, in our fantasy Also, league. though, they lost today, so they might never win again. So Andrew is exhibiting, like, a really classic Mariners fan syndrome right now. <laughs> yeah. What just happened is what's always going to happen forever. Yep. 
I gotta say, I'm excited that Colton Wong wears number 16. That's just another one of my uh, players that I'm excited about, and I think he's going to be one of my favorite players. And they wear 16 as well. So I've got Tyler Lockett, number 16. Got Colton Wong, number 16. And I've got not quite prime Daniel Hargrove on the Bearcats wearing number 16. Does that weird that I list myself as one of my favorite players? <laughs> not at all. I would say that I am one of my least favorite players. <laughs> All right, we got local sports and more local stuff coming up after the break. Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. And we're back, right? Did I do that right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Thank first you to try. our sponsors. Yeah, first try. Nailed it. Uh, so many of them, it's hard to keep track of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we oh. do local sports roundup a little bit differently this week. Uh, maybe we do it without the music and just kind of discuss what happened because I didn't go through and write a little recap of each game. So what would end up happening if we tried to use the music, especially since we can't hear it, it would be like really fast music. And then a person <laughs> who's kind of just talking like this. So let's just go through. That sounds awesome. And uh, just talk about what happened in some of the games and where we are in basketball season is state tournament play. We had several teams, which qualified um, a couple of them were facing loser-out scenarios. Um, unfortunately, the Hoquiam girls lost their first game. Elma boys lost their first game. But we do have a lot of other teams that will be moving on in the state tournament. So I'm just going to start with Elma's boys. Um, they faced Seattle Academy. And Elma was a 15 seed. Seattle Academy was a 10. Elma got off to, unfortunately, a terrible start. They were down 46-25 to 25 at halftime. After being down seven to nothing and twenty-one to nine at different points in the first half, they played way better in the second half and actually trimmed the lead to seven at one point. But they had just dug themselves way too big of a hole and ended up losing seventy-one to fifty-six. Now, because they were in the bottom half of that bracket as a fifteen seed, that means they're eliminated because state brackets are stupid now, and you don't get everybody in one place playing a double elimination tournament. This was a do-or-die game for the Eagles, and they didn't come out on top. Um, Traden Carter scored 22 points for Elma, and Kaysen Seberg scored 14. Um, moving on to... Um, I, I like yeah. how you said that uh, because the state tournament is stupid now. Because yeah. uh, multiple reasons. A, the weird half a round that's loser out, and then the whole next round is loser out and yet the next round is double elimination. Like, it's yeah. how to make a convoluted, confusing tournament when you could just do it extremely simply. Thank yeah, you, WIAA. 
Yeah, and if you're one of the top eight seeds, then you get to the tournament, but only if you win one. Because if you lose one, then you face the loser out game. But if you win one, you go direct to the quarterfinals. It's yeah, so have you ever weird, man? Have you ever noticed how it's the same amount of days as when they just add the straight up double elimination tournament? Like it's the same amount of days that you would have. So I don't. All they're doing is making teams travel to weird places for one week. And even though it was Tumwater, which wasn't that far away from both Kings and Montesano, half of the gym was almost completely empty. So thank you, WIAA. And I say for Montesano because that's the game I covered was the Monty Girls game. But I can only imagine that the Elma game against Seattle Academy wasn't very well attended either overall. I saw some shots of the stands and they looked pretty empty to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's not any, that's not an indictment on the towns or the fan bases or the teams or anything. It's just, Mm. it's hard with a lot going on in life right now that people have a difficult time making long trips to go watch basketball games. Especially Uh, when it's not the state turn, not actually the state, I don't know, they call it state, but it's the regional round and it's not an event to go to because it's dumb. It's just dumb. You know, and on top of that, you've got, you know, ballpark of a hundred teams participating in this opening round of the state tournament and 95% of them play a true neutral site game. Three of them get a home game and then three of them play a true road game because I don't know why it's the weirdest thing. There's three teams out of all these teams. They got to play a true home game in their opener, which means I, and I did in kind of unusual i sent the wiaa an email to ask them about a couple of things one was we touched on this last week but the wrestling the issue with the wrestling tournament at the mat classic where hundreds of wrestlers and coaches had to wait outside in the cold and rain before getting into the mat classic because of some issue with security and i just i didn't send any aggressive questions i just said what was the issue how are you guys planning to fix it blah blah whatever and then I asked a question about basketball because competitive balance feels like a really important thing. Yeah. And you have almost everybody playing a game on a neutral site, but then three teams, if one of our local teams was one of the three teams that got a true road game, I would have been freaking out. Right. Furious. So I hope somebody was out there doing work. What do you mean by a true road? Oh, you mean like against a team that had the home court? Yeah. yeah, so, like, for example, Tumwater's like boys yeah. got to play a home game in their opener in their home gym. With and, the home yeah, thought, yeah they were playing right after the game that I covered. And at first I thought, okay, so that probably means that they have, like, I don't know, 12 regional sites and all the games are played at these regional sites and all of them are hosting several games. And it's actually not true because I looked up the schedule and there was a whole bunch of games that were played at one-game neutral sites. There was yeah, a bunch yeah. of times where they were playing just one game at a spot at one time, so they couldn't go for those three other games and find a neutral site. Like, in Tumwater, there's not a gym around there? Like There's only, like, hour? there's a million gyms within a exactly. half hour because that's the Olympia area. So you've got uh, Black Hills, you've got Olympia, you've got River Ridge, you've got... Yep. I mean, there's countless. Um, Capital. I mean, there's a bunch of high schools there, not to mention St. Martin's or Evergreen. 
it just feels like they it feels like they scheduled most of these games at neutral sites and then they were like nah these other three who cares about those three teams that have to play a true road game let's just let these teams host it at their home stadium it, it right. felt like just such a lazy move yeah and i felt some of the they must have done some sweeping security measures more this year because i don't know if you've ever been to a game at Tumwater before have you ever been to a basketball game at Tumwater before yeah they have this the parking lot yep and there's this massive entrance with this awning and it's the yep. main gym entrance that wasn't good enough for the WIAA first time ever i've covered a game there where they're like nope you have to walk like half a block around the school to get into the cafeteria for some reason so they could have like um, a specific lane set up for teams, bands, and press passes and coaches to get through, and then two other lanes or three other lanes for fans to get through. And it's just, again, the mind-numbingly ignorance of the WIAA to think of this random regional site as having to have this massive entrance with all these things. Maybe they, maybe it came from the what happened with wrestling, and they were like, oh, crap. If we're going to do any sort of added security, we need this huge thing. Guess what? Not that many people are going to the regional round. You showed up, and there was, like, no issue with needing to have the normal entrance. Like, it, so dumb. Just, yeah. It, it seems like decisions made without anybody actually going to those areas and seeing what it's like before or after. Well, and I think, too, like I mentioned, I sent an email to the WIAA in the past. They have typically, I don't always agree with them, but they have typically responded quickly with a thoughtful answer. This time they, they didn't respond at all, and this was several days ago. So it made me wonder, like, because I've actually emailed them about things that when I, I thought were much more sensitive than this or much more difficult than this. Yeah. Um, so maybe they didn't have a good answer for my questions, and so that they just didn't respond. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that was okay, so, that was all stemmed from the Elma game. So sorry, sorry about that, Elma Eagles, and sorry about your loss. That you are eliminated instead of just moving on to the next part of a double elimination tournament right now. Yeah, um, moving on to the other one A loss that we had, um, Hoke Williams girls, which by the way. Seed, they lost to nine seeded Freeman. They lost forty seven to nineteen. I can't imagine like losing is never gonna feel good. Losing badly is never gonna feel good. Those girls have to feel so good about what they accomplished this year. Um, yeah. they were playing such good basketball by the end of the year. Um Chloe Kennedy, uh Gracie Bonnie Spradlin, Ashlyn Katie, there's another name in there, Daniel, that you brought up last time. Um and I'm Ella liking Volkers? It. Ella Volkers, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of girls that really th – there was a real team contribution there. Um, I feel like Chad Allen, their head coach, had been there once before, turned the program into something that was really competitive. When he left and he went to Grace Harbor College, he turned their women's program from something that was a complete afterthought to NWAC champions, right? Were they NWAC champions one year? Or did uh, they just make the NWAC tournament for the first time in a really long time? Yes. Yes, that's so it. He turned them from a perennial loser into something that was competitive. And then when he came back to Hoquiam, the, the program again was down. 
and he's turned this program around. And, you know, if you pay attention to Chad Allen on Facebook, he always deflects every bit of credit and attention to the girls. He always makes the focus on the players. He always makes the focus on the team and the atmosphere of the team. And I believe that's probably what makes him such a successful coach. He's such an incredibly likable person. And he's the kind of coach that I know I would want to play for. Um, so Absolutely. watching Chad Allen go out and have that success with this group of girls, Chloe Kennedy, probably the most snubbed athlete of the week throughout the season. Um, I'm sad to see Hoquiam's season end this way, but I'm really happy for them that they were able to qualify for state. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the energy that that team plays with, it was a team that, if they had a hot shooting night, they could compete with anybody. But, it, I mean, who knows where they're playing this. I mean, it was probably someplace close to Freeman. So, Yeah, they played in Spokane, that, I think. Yeah, I was going to say that. It had to be in Spokane, yeah. probably. Yeah, so, West Valley High School in Spokane. Yeah, so not surprising that you would get off to a slow start offensively after having to travel across the state and everything's different and weird, but... Um, yeah, so they fall to Freeman, and Freeman was a good team last year. You know, they're the best team in that side of the bracket this time. So, yeah, nothing to hang your head at, head about at all. That Hoquiam team bringing girls basketball back to state, which it hadn't been to in a long, long time. So, awesome. Then also moving into staying, I mean, right next to that. I mean, that was game five. Game four on this bracket was Montesano and Kings. And that was the game that I covered. And Justin, it was a weird game. Cause I mean, talk about just starting off cold, this Montesano girls team just as a team couldn't hit a shot from outside of like 10 feet for like the first half. And it kind of shook a lot of the confidence. And then they tried to battle back. They started to battle back in the second half, but never could get within eight points. Um, they were at that eight point margin multiple times and had opportunities because they're, I mean, you've, you know, this team, they're great at defense and yet they could never score after getting the stop, you know, and it was just like close to breaking through and never quite could. And uh, Kings had an excellent defensive strategy. Um, Not only were they playing a box and one defense against McKinley Dalen and they held her to two points. They had a fairly athletic, a girl who was almost as tall as McKinley, you know, or close enough, who was also able to keep up with her. And she just was on her the entire game. And then anytime Jilly or Evangeli uh, got the ball down low, it was an instant double team. And so it was just the two main ways Montesano scores were taken out of it. And the rest of the girls went ice cold when I know those girls can shoot. You know, we've seen Vanna Prom hit a ton of threes. We've seen Jordan Carr hit threes. We've seen Maya Young hit threes. We've seen Jaden score a lot of points. And they all just went ice cold at the wrong point. Honestly, I think you play that game ten times, and I think Montesano probably wins seven of them. That's how it felt, you know, watching this team and knowing what they're capable of. Um, but, I mean, Kings played very good on defense, and... It was a physical game, which usually lends itself to Montesano. But since they were cold shooting from the outside, it kind of switched to lending itself to Kings, you know, because they couldn't 
anytime you went inside, it was just muggings both ways that were let go. And so scoring inside the paint was very hard and Kings did shoot very well from the outside. So it was, it was an interesting game and I'm super bummed that it's the last Monty girl, this team, it's the last game I get to cover of this team. Cause this is a team that I followed all the way through state trophy round last year. Um, so that's, it's hard that that's the last one I get to cover, especially knowing how good they are. And then just to see them on a game. I mean, every, it's basketball. Teams have down nights. And this was a down night for Monty. So I fully expect them to win their next game. And then they play Wapato if they win their next game um, against Seattle Academy. Um, Wapato's really good. So, but if they get to that point, they're in the double elimination part of the bracket. So it's... It's going to be interesting to see what exactly happens from here on out. But they play Seattle Academy, I believe, at 12-15 on Wednesday at the Yakima Valley Sundome. Yep, that's uh, right. So um, definitely a winnable game for them. This is a team that is built for the state tournament because their defense is very good. They're experienced. Almost the entire team's back from last year. Uh, Jilly is the only one who plays who or really the only one on the team who wasn't there on the team last year. And that's just because she was a freshman. So I think they're going to be fine. They're going to play well over at the state tournament, but this was a, a, a rough bump in the road for the Bulldogs. And when I say rough, um, I think there was three points during the game where three different girls for Montesano were bleeding as they came off the floor. So that's that's how the officiating was, and I'm not saying that it was one-sided. It was just weird for both sides. Um, speaking of Seattle Academy, which, Daniel, you said you mentioned that's Montesano's next opponent. They actually played each other earlier this year. Um, okay. Montesano, Montesano hosted Seattle Academy and beat them 60-45. to 45. That was the game that McKinley Dalen got her 1,000th point. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, there, there's there's – at least there will be a little bit of familiarity. And I, I know for fans of Montesano, they have really gotten used to this team beating everybody by 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50 points. Um, and I just got to tell you, I mean, the league was not very good this year. Um, it, no, neither was not, the district. A, yeah, and not a slight to, you know, the Hoquiam girls or any or what anybody else in the league was able to accomplish, but... Uh, I've, we've seen really competitive leagues and districts for girls here before, and this season Montesano was just rolling over everybody. Um, some of the scores look like they might be typos. You know, when you win a game seventy-two to three, they beat Eatonville sixty-four to fourteen, and that was an Eatonville team that at that point was undefeated in league play. Um, Sixty-seven to five was another one. Sixty-six to twenty-three. Fifty-two to eleven. You know. The, this is a team that we've gotten used to what winning by a lot of points. And so I know I was at a powerlifting meet on Saturday in Lacey and there was a lot of people that were there saying, Oh, we're we thinking about going to the girls game afterwards. And then, you know, around when, the, by the time we were finally getting to leave, it was past halftime and people were like, Hmm, maybe I don't want to go try to catch the very end of this game because it yeah. is not, it is not what we were used to watching from this team this year. Um, and just for one sure. added note and- for that game from the daily world. Montesano shot 22%. Daniel, you mentioned cold shooting. 22% from the field and 15% on three-pointers. Um, I know that they're capable of better than that, so that makes me hopeful moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Still cold. I was I was actually hoping the Daily World had the, 
the shooting percentage because I was curious about that. They were yeah. also ice cold from the free throw line. I think they had six free throws in the first half, and they were one for six. Yeah. And two of um, McKinley Dalen only scored two points, and it was she was two for six from the free throw line. So very cold free throw shooting. The other uh, Kings was also cold for most of the game until the fourth quarter, when I think they made five or six free throws, but they were also ice cold from the free throw line. So it was just a a very weird, weird game. Um, you mentioned some weird lopsided scores. Uh, Nooksack Valley, which is one of Monty's few losses, <laughs> won 65 to 16 in a state tournament game. Man. And they were the one seeds. So they would have been playing the eight. But yeah. Still, you'd think a state eight seed would be good. And when Montesano beat, played Nooksack Valley, that was the second game of the year for Montesano, and Nooksack Valley won 73-46. to 46. Yeah. Um, that Nooksack it, Valley team is really good. They're really good. <laughs> yeah, Nooksack they're Valley definitely the... All of a sudden, you know, Jamie, our, our friend of the show, Jamie, pointed out to us earlier this week, hmm, it seems like a lot of the same schools ending up in state competition across all sports all the time. Um, yeah. That point was made about Freeman, but also... You know, Nooksack Valley was a powerhouse in football, too. So this is yep. just the way things are trending is that there seem to be some schools that are just better at sports for whatever reason. Yep. And, you know, you always got Lyndon Christian and Kings. and Yeah. Lyndon Christian. Well, that's, that's a whole separate conversation. And and Lyndon. What, what, I don't know what's in the water up in Lyndon, but they're... Steroids. The, the girls... Linden, public school Linden, are the two seed. The boys' public school are the six seed, but they want, they beat the three seed by 18 points. <laughs> so, okay. And then in private school, the boys are the one seed, Gawker, and the girls are the two seed. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Linden, yeah, that man. was something, you know, Ryan uh, had commented on one of our posts after we just watched the Elma boys lose to a private school. We watched Montesano's girls lose to a private school. It, it's It's been a theme, like, over the last many years that, Daniel, ever since you and I have been covering sports, that teams in our classification, our local public schools, often tend to lose to these private schools in the playoffs. Yep, happens a lot. Uh, moving on to 2B, we have one team in our coverage area that was playing in the 2B state tournament. It's the 12 seeded girls who beat, uh, 12 seeded Raymond girls, sorry, who beat the 13 seed Davenport 50 to 42. Um, Pacific League MVP Carson Freeman, by the way, sophomore, who has <laughs> already scored 1,000 points and is a league MVP. Sophomore. Carson Freeman <laughs> scored 18 points despite missing a lot of time with foul trouble and uh, led Raymond to the win. They're, they have a freshman point guard named, I'm going to mess this name up and I apologize in advance, Megan Kongbuke scored 10 points for Raymond um, to help them to that win. This is a Raymond team. It's been really fun to root for Carson Freeman and these girls. Uh, and they, because they were the 12 seed, even with the win, they will have to go face another elimination game in Yakima. They are going to, oh, I'm sorry, Spokane. 
they're going to play the fifth seed Adna in the round of 12 at 7.15 on Wednesday. Ooh, Adna. I bet those two teams have played each other already. This they season. have. Actually, they have. And I believe Adna won, but let me look that up real quick. I mean, this is a team that I'm super excited about with with Freeman, just how she plays. And then uh, Koski can get hot at any time, too. Yep. So that's a tough draw to be playing. <laughs> Excuse me, Adna. Yeah, um, but uh, Adna, Cassie the five Kossi seed, has been in the point in the point totals. She's been at like up in the point totals a lot this year. Yeah, Adna fell to four seeded Warden, uh, sixty four to fifty two. So that's that's a real tough one for Raymond to have to play Adna um, in this loser out game. So Raymond played Adna on February seventh in a district game and lost 59 to 21. So that's, wow. a, that's going to be not... a tough, tough game for this Raymond girls team. Yeah, that is going to be a tough game. Um, wow. It's yeah. just so crazy to think that Carson's just a sophomore. It's just bizarre. Absolutely insane. <laughs> um, and we have a couple of one B teams also um, used to be two B, but, Willapaw Valley in the 1B tournament, their girls' team was a 12 seed, and they took out the number 13 seed, Orcas Island, 51-30. to 30. Um, Yeah, pretty dominant win for a 12-13 matchup there. Absolutely. I, they I were finishing that one out when I got... Half. Oh, nice. I think I were finishing a point game at half. They were finishing that out um, when I got there. I saw the last about minute of that game. Um, Grace, Grace Huber and Brooklyn Patrick each had 11 points for the Vikings in that win. And they will face the fifth seed in Chilium at 12-15 on Wednesday in Spokane. And the... What's that? Oh, sorry. I was just like, what? what's in Chilium? What? Oh, it's a Mount Vernon Christian school. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. I was really no wait no it's not they played a Mount Vernon Christian school I'm I'm sorry I'm no the, the boys played well the oh Mount Vernon sorry oh, okay. Inchilium played Mount Mount Vernon Christian school oh, I'm okay. trying to look up Inchilium right now I got you well while you're doing that I'm gonna move on to the Willapaw Valley boys okay um, which actually I'm I just realized I mixed it up this was the game that was a two point game at halftime so I mixed up Inch- boys and girls. In Chilliam is in Ferry County, which if you don't know where Ferry County is, not surprising, but it's middle of nowhere, northeastern Washington. Like, think Spokane, and then go way north from Spokane. <laughs> There's stuff up there? Uh, I didn't think so, but in Chilliam... Washington was uninhabited. In Chilliam is a town. Oh. And a in the 2020 census... Yeah, it's got uh, it's a census designated place in Ferry County, Washington, so on the like, Colville Indian Reservation, and like, it's got four hundred and thirty-one people. It's like Brady or Central Park. Then it's that's those are census de- designated areas. Okay, it's got four hundred and thirty-one people, but apparently and, some good basketball. Apparently, sorry. At least this year, 
Um, <laughs> moving on to the Willapaw Valley boys, they Which were the, the four seed. How does this tournament work again? This is bizarre. Yeah. Oh, are you talking about the B, the one B tournament? Yeah, the one B boys tournament is different from all of the others. Oh, I thought that was the two B tournament. Is it the one B tournament that's this way? Yeah, yeah. Well, Willapaw Valley actually avoided the whole craziness of the beginning of it because oh, okay. Essentially, like there must be a ton of boys one B teams. So instead of having sixteen teams in the tournament, they had twenty. But that just meant that meant that eight of the teams had to play uh, elimination game to get out. to the elimination game that goes to another elimination game before you get to the double elimination tournament. So, but like I said, because we had two teams in that tournament, we have uh, Oakville and Willapaw Valley, and the Willapaw Valley boys, the Oakville boys are the eight seed. So they avoided the craziness at the beginning of it of needing all those wins to get into this part of it. And the Willapaw Valley boys, and this is a huge win for them, they beat Moses Lake Christian slash Covenant Christian. They beat them 48-34, to which means that they go straight to the district quarterfinals. They don't have to play an elimination game to get into it. They are in the double elimination round of the state tournament. Um, Derek Fluke, who I'm going to say is an Athlete of the Week nominee here, scored 13 points and had 17 rebounds in the Vikings' win. Um, they will play the six-seed Lummy Nation. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I take that back. They're going to play the winner of the 11-6 game. So Mossy Rock is the 11. Lummy is the 6. They play the winner of that game at 345 on Thursday in Spokane. And then Oakville, what? I was going to ask you if you saw the result of the Oakville game. I didn't see it. Uh, it yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, they lost to Well Pinnett, the perfectly Which... named wrestling school. <laughs> um, they are the one seed though, and they won 83 to 46 over the Acorns. So Oakville is going to be taking on Orcas Island in a. Uh, win or go home game. Orcas Island, actually the 16th seed on a bit of a heater. They uh, won two loser out games in a row, first against Inchilium again, and then the next one against Nia Bay. They beat Nia Bay to get into that game at the Spokane Arena, but yet again, remember, tournaments are dumb, and you still have another loser out game to get into then the double elimination part of the tournament for Oakville. So taking on a 16 seed in Orcas Island, but they're hot right now because they won 63 to 42 against Inchilium and then they beat Nia Bay 73 to 65. So we still have a bunch of teams. We did lose a couple of our state playoff teams. We still have Montesano going. Um, we have both of the Willapa Valley teams. We have Raymond. We have Oakville. So we've got basketball teams still going. Um, as far as local sports roundup goes, the last thing I have, because wrestling season's over too, you know what? I'll, I'll give a quick shout-out to the, rest, the, the swimmers because I got some stuff from Rob Burns about swimming, which I'm going to have to scroll for just a second to get to it. But they had the swimmers had their state tournament last weekend as were their state meet last week as well and the Aberdeen boys swim team um, they didn't make it past the preliminary races at state 
but they had an individual and a medley team, or is it a relay team? A relay qualifier. They had an individual and a relay team that qualified to go to state, so they took um, several swimmers to state. In the district tournament, um, Denny Linker qualified in the 200-yard individual medley, and the relay qualifier was the 200-yard medley relay, which was Jacob Hollick, Zeke Olson, Zach Parker, and Denny Linker. Um, And there is a a picture of those guys on our Facebook page. I'll just say I feel a little bad we haven't been able to shout out swimming. I haven't really been finding a lot of swimming results um, in the newspaper over the season in a way that I could report them. And that's probably something that we could try to do better at in the future. Um, But in addition to those swimming results, I also have some club soccer results. Um, The goals, the Grays Harbor Goals Academy, which by the way, the Grays Harbor Goals Academy has 11 teams now. They are really growing like crazy. Um, They had four teams who played this past weekend to start their spring season. The U9 team suffered a 2-1 loss. Their, oh, that was their boys' team. Their U9 girls' team had an 8-1 to one win in which Jerrica Brain scored five goals. Five goals in one game. I know we call four goals a schmat trick, but uh, I don't know what we call five goals. Um, didn't Miley, didn't I he also tell you? He did. I'm going to get to that in a second. Oh, okay. So um, you do know you're lying. lying. My we, bad. Well, I, we, I said, we called it. I we. Said, we had somebody call. We had somebody score. We had somebody score five goals a while ago too, and we gave it some weird name. I can't remember a what schmat it was. Trick. No four. No, wasn't it like oh? Before, four is a schmat trick. So five. Didn't we have somebody score five and we gave it some weird name? Yeah, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Neither do I. But as I was just saying, we're gonna have to figure it out because in the Grace Harbor Goals U nine girls game. They won eight to one, and Jerrica Brain scored five goals. Um, and someone named Miley also scored three goals. Um, in the U14 Grace Harbor goal, you okay there, Daniel? Yeah, sorry, just just <laughs> tried to breathe liquid. That's no big deal. That's bad uh, for in you. The, in the goals U14 game, uh, the U14 Blue won two to nothing. Uh, JB and Ivan had goals and Trey had an assist and the goals U14 girls team lost three to nothing. I'm going to say if we have an athlete of the week nomination out of that, it's got to be Jerrica brain for the U9 girls. Five goals in an eight to one win is incredibly impressive. Now I'll give a little shout out here to Daniel, not you, Daniel, but Academy Daniel, um, Daniel Langer. Because he sent me this list of what the different amounts of goals are called in soccer. So we didn't know this until just now. Yeah. Two, two goals is called a brace. Which I love it. Like a Three goals brace. is called a hat trick, which we already knew. Yep. Four, I said, is called a schmat trick. But according yeah. to Daniel, it's called a haul. I like schmat trick better. And you know what? I told but, Daniel. I told Daniel we've been calling it a schmat trick for years, and he said he likes that better too. <laughs> Five I, goals, I, which, which is what Jerrica got, is called a glut. G-L-U-T. I love. I love that. 
I love a glut of goals. That's I, if if Jerica is named athlete of the week, I'm just gonna put glut of goals. I love how she. I love how she scored a glut of goals for the goals. <laughs> Theoretically, she scored if... a glut of goals for the goals girls. Oh! <laughs> Theoretically, in the future, if we were to award a, a senior soccer player for exceptional talent on offense, would we call it a glut getter? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, because I don't think we could. I mean, that would be the great catchy name for it, but I don't think we could because I think even certified goal getters probably aren't getting gluts very often if at all <laughs> accurate only the highest <laughs> standards yeah <laughs> agreed daniel did you have anything else for local sports uh did you mention what six goals is it's just a double hat trick which i feel like oh, they got man. really they got really creative with brace hall and glut and then we're six they're just like eh. Double hat trick. Brace. If anything, just call it like a hat hat trick trick or something. <laughs> Brace isn't super <laughs> creative. It's a a pretty common That's... older term for two of something. That's true. Like a brace of conies. Yes. Yes, exactly. What? <laughs> That's two rabbits. <laughs> I love, I love how I just threw that out there like it was common knowledge, but really the only reason <laughs> the only reason I knew that is because it's a quote from the movie that puts Justin to sleep every time. <laughs> what, Die Hard? How dare I... you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for our local sports roundup. Uh, thank you, big thank you to uh, the Daily World for covering all the things that we can't. If you can, subscribe to them. We are. And they will get a lot of local sports uh, for you to get through, see some stats. They get some great pictures as well. Also, Justin, uh, I think we should say a big thank you to uh, Forrest. We're yeah. taking some great pictures as well and letting us uh, use some of those because he is he has taken some great pictures and let us use them and they're awesome. As a person who has done a fair amount of sports photography, I can tell you there are challenges involved in it and basketball is probably the hardest. Um, Forrest is out there. He... I mean, the guy grinds, man. He goes to so many local sports. He tried really going out to a lot of the different teams. Um, he's he's like a Hoquiam guy by nature, and he did a ton of Hoquiam. But he was out there at Monty Girls State game. He was at Elma's game. Throughout the course of the year, he was going to a lot of different games to get pictures of a whole bunch of different schools. And I'm telling you, if he was a crappy photographer, I would not be promoting him the way that we are on our socials right now. <laughs> Forrest does an incredible job at something yeah. that's very difficult. And uh, most of what the coverage that we got this week on our socials with the pictures and the results, a lot of that stuff came from him. So go to Forrest's page, whether you find him on Facebook or on Instagram, 
he has a website that you can go to the galleries and purchase his photos. And there are also some photos that you can view um, just on his socials as well. Go check it out because he does a really good job. It's Forrest Wargum Photography. It's F-O-R-E-S-T and then W-O-R-G-U-M is his last name. Um, so, yeah, check him out. Support him. We need people like Forrest to cover our local sports. And hopefully people will support him by purchasing the photos so that he'll continue to want to do it because he does a fantastic job. Yeah. And uh, if you missed the spelling on that or anything, um, you can go to our Facebook page because Justin has tagged him in all of our posts with his pictures on it, too. Um, I was just looking at some of his pictures of the Monty Girls game. And uh, one of the comments from somebody is, private schools thumbs down <laughs> yeah we had a few comments like that uh, this weekend after a couple of our teams lost to private schools some yeah. people believe that private schools should all have their own league that's a conversation for another day yeah it it is um personally i don't know how i feel about that because i kind of they're like the yankees like you hate them but don't you kind of want the opportunity to beat them? I'm more in a spot where, I mean, yes, but I'm also more in a spot where like, I really want competitive balance. I know they have these private schools spread out across the classifications. Um, and a lot of them actually play a classification up from how big their school is. Yep. Yep. At the same time, I'm like, I want those kids to be able to play sports as well. And if you just take all the private schools and you lump them together in one league, yeah, it would solve the problem of the public schools, but then you have a whole new problem of all the private schools being really imbalanced. And yeah, because then you'd have... a short-sighted thing. It's a very narrow-minded thing to be like, oh, we're only solving our problem. What if exactly. You, what, if you sol- what if you set the classifications with a relegation system instead of based on the size of the school? Because there's all sorts of, like bigger schools that are never good or small schools that are always really good. That's really interesting. I just thought I, of Andrew's it like just now. Sports problem. It, 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 really solves a, it solves a lot of the problems. It, incre- it introduces other problems, but the other problems are usually uh, revolve around making money. Because when you're in a professional sports league and you get relegated out of the top league, you're all of a sudden not making even a tiny fraction of what you were making before. Yeah. Yeah. So I hey, I'm like... in the background of one of these pictures. <laughs> I think uh, we're going to name an OnlyFan Real Estate Athlete of the Week, but I think we should probably take our second commercial break first. So let's do that. Hey, there's also that really grumpy Kings fan who was sitting right next to me. At OnlyPen Real Estate, we have solidified our foundation on four core values. First, we continuously focus on growing our knowledge in the market and in our practices to bring the highest level of competency to our clients. Second, we provide a high level of integrity, compassion, and kindness in every aspect of our business. Third, We put the human element above business through humor, enthusiasm, and patience. And last but not least, we proactively respond to the needs of our clients. Our mission is to create a personal real estate experience, one person and one home at a time. With OliPen, 
it's personal. Welcome back to the scrimmage. I'm Daniel Hargrove. I have Justin Damashevitz here with me as well as our trusty <laughs> producer, Andrew Gross. That's what the names say on the screen. That's true, but you said you were both. I did? You said, I'm Daniel Hargrove. I'm Justin Damashevitz as well. <laughs> I'm also trusty producer, Andrew Gross. Uh, this whole thing has been a, it's been a trick. You've been pranked. Yep. It's actually one person that's been doing this entire show for all these years. Or is it a fluke? It's a glut. Wordplay. And, and there's a fluke. There, It could be three different people all on one team. True. Um, we do have to name an Ole Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week, and I don't, I don't know if there's one that necessarily jumps out off the screen at you today. Um, you know, a lot of times our Ole Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week has come from Montesano's team, and they lost. Um, we do Carson Freeman from Raymond's girls' team. They won their state playoff game. She scored 18 points, which is good. It's not up to the standard that she's spoiled us with of her scoring 27 to 45 points every game. Um, but it's a really good game, and her team won a state game. We have Derek Fluke from the Willapaw Valley Boys, who scored 13 points and got 17 rebounds. And I think, you know, we definitely can't overlook Jerrica Brain, as she scored a glut of goals. Yes, that's five goals in her team's 8-1 to win over the weekend for Grays Harbor Goals, um, FC's U9 team. Daniel, do you have a way you're leaning here, or, or anybody else you want to throw in the mix? Can, can you give me uh, well, first of all, from the game I covered, uh, Jaden King played excellent. So I'm not sure if it was quite up to athlete of the week standards, but for someone who's 5'5", leading her team in rebounds, I think that was pretty impressive and should be mentioned. Um, she also had 11 points to go along with it. I thought she played an excellent game. Um, can you can you list off Derek Fluke's uh, stat line again? Uh, the Daily World had him for 13 points and 17 rebounds. 13 points, 17 rebounds in their 48-34 to 34 win over Moses Lake Christian. I mean, it's got the it's got the boosters of being a state win and being over a private school. <laughs> uh, how can you get over a glut of goals? I, I don't know. A glut of goals for the goals girls in Grace Harbor. A, a double hat Golly. trick. A double hat trick is really all you could do to get over a glut of goals. For the goals in Grace Harbor. Somebody typed super schmat trick in here. Is that what we called five goals? It wasn't me. Uh, I don't think so. I didn't type that. <laughs> Wait, none of us typical, typical Justin. Somebody Justin. typed this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you typed that, dude. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> so, blood of goals or a super schmat trick for Derek Brain. I want to um, say I came up with something stupid like Kirkpatrick or something like that. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll give you the direction I'm leaning. 
I think five goals is darn impressive, and it needs to be recognized. I agree. I don't care what level of soccer it is. You score five goals, you should get recognized. Yeah. And if there was, like, a state playoff performance that just, like, totally blew us away, then yes. And I know that 17 rebounds is really impressive for Derek Fluke. I'm just using a comparison between sports, and I think five goals in a big win, in an eight to one win, I, I'd give her, I'd give Jerrica the nod. I, I'm right there with you. Okay. Did we have anything uh, come in on the chat during the show today that needs to be discussed? No. Nah, Clarence agrees like with me. Shocking. What did he say? Yeah, <laughs> I, I mentioned that a long time ago. He just agreed with me, the Renaissance man. And says that oh, he yeah. thinks that uh, Russell Wilson was trying to be too good to be true for his brand. Which, yeah, I, I have a really complicated take on Russell Wilson's genuineness. I think that he's trying to be genuine, and he needs good people around him to help him actually understand what that means. I think you mm. just said Russell Wilson. Like, Maybe. From... <laughs> Like from your football game where his name is Hustle Kill Some. <laughs> I think you just merged those two guys together. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's say uh, one last time that congratulations to Grays Harbor Goals, FC's Jerrica Brain. You are our Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. Congratulations yes. on your glut of goals for the Goals Girls from Grays Harbor. It was great. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. So I that's going to do it. Yeah. That's going to do it for our show today. So for tr my trusty co-host, Daniel Brace of Coney's Hargrove. And my trusty co-host, Daniel Hargrove, also Justin Domashevitz, also Andrew Gross, the producer, <laughs> Justin Domashevitz. And, and <laughs> the trustiest of us all, our trustiest, <laughs> trusty producer, Andrew, do it like European soccer! Gross. Been listening to the scrimmage. <laughs>